0: This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, the premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America. Get a grip. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hard working people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Through the years, you'll find a Moving Iron Podcast number 105. On this episode, my guest is Luke Sullivan from Sullivan Auctioneers, and I had the pleasure of having Luke and Dan and Matt Sullivan all out at Moving Iron Summit here in Las Vegas. Uh, it's been on a couple of weeks ago now, and I uh, wanted to reach back out to, to the fellas over there and, and see about having them come on and talk about what to see happen in the auction market. So, Luke, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to
1: be here. Appreciate we enjoyed that. ourselves at the summit and we're glad to glad to be part of it. Learned a lot. And uh, we were really impressed with the event all together.
0: Well, I appreciate that, man. Thanks a lot for being there. Um, so Luke, if you guys want to go back and take a listen to, uh, moving Iron podcast number 53, I had Dan Sullivan on about, uh, kind of this time last year, roughly, and kind of talking about what was going on in the marketplace and, uh, Wanted to get him back on again to kind of go over the same thing. So, Luke, give me a little background on yourself and uh, maybe a little refresher for the folks that have listened to this one here, what what, uh, Sullivan Auctions are and and, uh, what you guys do. Sure.
1: So, we're headquartered in Hamilton, Illinois, and uh, we conduct about 250 auctions per year, primarily farm equipment and ag land. And, uh, of course, headquartered in Illinois, so... Uh, heavily focused on the Midwest, but we go, just in the past year, we've been as far west as Idaho and as far east as Maryland, so uh, cover kind of all over the Midwest, but uh, like I said, primarily ag real estate and ag farm equipment would be the core of our business. Uh, We've got about 50 full-time employees and our sales on the farm equipment side of things, uh, we do our sales traditionally live on-site and then also offer online internet bidding as well.
0: And what, give me a little bit of your background. I went to school at
1: the University of Illinois and I uh, got a degree in ag economics. While I was there, I did a couple internships with John Deere, uh, first at the, uh, in Atumwa at the Hay Equipment Factory. And then the next summer I spent on the road working for the uh, branch, doing some training on a warranty program that had just come out. And then after graduation, i Went to work full-time for Deere, uh, first as a marketing rep, and uh, moved around to some different factories in that role, and then eventually wound up at the seeding group for about three years doing product support and marketing on the DB series planters, and helped with the integration of built after John Deere purchased them. And came back to the family business full-time about four years ago, and myself, along with my brother Matt, managed the majority of our farm machinery auctions family
0: business okay so that's a that's a good segue in there so let's talk about planners i think planners are one of the one of the things we see right now when you look across the, the landscape that there aren't a lot of planners like there were in 2014 running through the auction but it does seem like it's one of the uh hotter tickets out there talk to me about what you see happen in the the planner marketplace and, and how do you see that stuff kind of shaping up through 2018 to where we're at now yeah so i think in 2018
1: planners have kind of been one of the brighter spots in the, in the auction market, looking at all the equipment as a whole, especially when you consider uh, what we we're seeing for prices three, four, or five years ago. Um, it's kind of remarkable the turnaround that we've seen there in planners. And I think that's been driven by a couple of things. Uh, first of all, a lack of new planners being sold over the last couple of years. So going out and trying to find a one to five, even a one to 10 year old planner, there's just not near as many as, as there were. Uh, they've really been picked through, and then uh, another factor would be the the ease and availability of aftermarket parts to to rebuild those planters, so a guy can buy a used one that the frames get on and take it home and set it up, uh, you know, exactly to his liking, uh, pr- pretty pretty simply and somewhat cost effective. And then uh, third, uh, this might be a little bit more regionalized of a trend, but we've certainly seen a increased. Uh, Desire to get soybeans planted a little bit earlier than we have in the past, so uh, there's been a lot of chatter about guys looking at a second planter and and leave it strictly on soybeans and, and not have to spend as much time switching back and forth uh,
0: during the planting season. The planters that you guys that you watch come through the auction market, the planters that have uh, like whether it be precision or or whatever aftermarket. Tickets you see out there. I mean, how how do you see that stuff playing out, and and how do you see that stuff selling across what you what you guys do every day? It's it's started to make a big difference. I'd
1: say at this point, it's I don't know if the investment has quite paid quite pays for itself in terms of resale on a planner. Of course, that's not really what guys are worried about when they're putting those options on a planner. But they've come a long ways for a while there. Really not that long ago, maybe three, four, five years ago, a planter that was decked out with precision or, you know, John Deere retro pick kits, et cetera, didn't bring a whole lot more than one that was sitting right next to it. That was just totally stock. And now those products have been out there long enough and guys are getting more and more familiar with them. They're starting to pay for themselves. That that would be a stretch. I probably shouldn't say pay for themselves, but they're starting to, you know, show, a little bit more value on the on the auction market than than what they did before
0: do you see are you seeing customers when they show up are they uh, are they showing up because of that particular planner and they want to look and maybe try to purchase that thing or just watch how it sells i mean are, are they are those style of plan planners starting to be a draw at your at your sales
1: yeah i'd i'd say that they are uh, i think that long ago i think guys were were scared of them and didn't feel comfortable taking them home and learning how to use the system but now there's that's what guys are looking for is a planter that's set
0: up you know the way they want one Row crop tractors right now um i hear a lot of guys talking about they're starting to see some softness in that marketplace um i can't really say that that we are we're probably off a little bit from where we should be but um I really think that we have uh, the opportunity to to sell some row crop tractors if we had the right ones. I guess let's put it that way. Um, what do you see in that marketplace, and, and how do you see uh, that kind of shaping up through what you through your end of the year run here?
1: Yeah, I'd have to agree with your assessment there. We've we've had good strength in the row crop tractor market, uh, especially you know everybody likes to sell John Deere tractors, but we've. Had it's, I'd say 2018 has been a really, really good year to sell uh row crop tractors of almost all age and, and vintage and and make.
0: Um, we, we we've yeah, I'd, I'd call the row crop tractor market good to, to real good. What, where do you see that? Uh, where's the hot spot at right now for you guys? Is it is it that high in horsepower tractor that 300 to 400 horsepower row crop, or is it Do you see more? Down the line a little bit, maybe into the the two fifty range. I mean, where do you see that hot spot at? I'd say on on both ends of the spectrum.
1: I guess sometimes the ones in the middle get a little bit lost in the shuffle. Uh, We we have better luck like with an eight three thirty five R and an eight three sixty R, and then and then there's kind of a gap. Then we'll get along a little bit better with maybe like an eight two thirty five R and some of the ones in the middle they're your 295s and 310s sometimes are a little bit odd size for for some of the guys so the hot spots i'd say would be the the you know the biggest ones and the smallest ones and a, a colder spot would be kind of in the middle there
0: loader tractors have got to be a, a fairly sought after item right now i think just because of the way the the, the cattle market's been and, and there's probably some some money there um that we, that we don't see on the uh, row crop side of the business. So, how are those machines selling, and, and how do you feel like um, that overall marketplace is?
1: I'd say it's been pretty consistent with the row crop market. In twenty eighteen, we've had uh, we've seen pretty pretty strong prices across the board on loader tractors. Uh, of course, as long as they're front wheel lift, um, and certainly having a cab makes a big difference. But uh, yeah, I think between the uh, the cattle market. And uh, just a wide buyer pool of people that are looking for for loader tractors. We've seen, I'd, I'd say similar. I'd right? say real good on the
0: on the utility tractor side of things. Where do you see? What, so what's the hot spot on that one? What what horsepower range are? Is it the hundred and fifty around there? Is that where you're seeing the um, most action at? Here and yeah, that's that that would maybe be a tad big in the
1: Illinois, Iowa, Missouri part of the world where we're you know where I'm at on a daily basis. um, the hot spot for us would probably be around 125 horse, uh, down to a hundred. So somewhere in there, your, your medium size, six and large, large, large five series tractors, uh, would be a little bit more common around here. Probably the, probably the two hot, if I was going to pick a loader tractor to sell tomorrow in our part of the world, it would either be a, like a 6430 premium or
0: a 6125R. Yeah. Yeah, those those thirty series were always was always a, a really good tractor. There's and they're still pretty sought after too. Uh, you know, you get you get plenty. Obviously, the price makes a difference, but I mean, you have a lot of guys looking out sure. right there at those seventy two thirties and seventy four thirties and those kind of things. You know, there's there's just plenty of, of action on those still.
1: Yeah, I'd say comparatively, they probably sell better uh, than a than a new one does. Yeah, at so, least in the auction. Yeah, oh,
0: I would I would agree with you. I mean, especially when you start looking at, it's amazing how some of these tractors will come in with three or four or five thousand hours on them, and you watch them go across the auction, and they're selling they're selling for so much more than what I would anticipate <laughs> them selling for. Just yeah. because of, I think the death the death thing has a lot to do with some of that some of that that action that we see on those. Yeah and they're simple yeah. and they're proven they've, they've been around for a while now
1: and they're still not really seeing very many problems with them. And they're easy to hop into and put it in gear and take off and go something, something to be said about that when you're running a loader tractor.
0: That's true. That's exactly true. Okay. So now we're going to probably the, the one area of concern that I have in, in the marketplace, probably more than, well, I have two areas of concern, and we're going to hit them both. But one of them is the combine market. Um, I don't want to say that the combine market is in dire straits or bad, you know, bad jeopardy of going into something that's uh, some kind of spiral or something like that. Um, but it seems like there is not the movement of combines that we saw um Traditionally over the last couple of years, I'm sure some drought situations had something to do with that, uh, in 2018 that, that we didn't see in 2017, but, uh, this year just seems oddly quiet comparatively to over the, uh, course of the last past couple of years. So what did your feel on the combine market? And, and am I just being paranoid? No, I think
1: you hit the nail on the head. I think it's been a frustrating year for combines, um, I think we were maybe hoping that they were following kind of the same trajectory that the planter market had. And it felt like we were getting to the point where these combines were really getting picked through and getting more and more hours on them each year, of course, and not telling a whole lot of new ones. It felt like and maybe this is just me kind of a gut feeling going into 2018. I thought that we were going to see combine prices going up uh, just simply on a supply and demand basis. And that's, for the most part, has really not been the case. Um, I'd say they—I don't think they've dropped significantly. They've maybe dropped a little bit, but um, when you—you know—when you're hoping something goes up and it ends up dropping a little bit, a little bit of a drop can feel, you know, a little bit painful. And uh, but you, you hate to group the whole combine market as a whole because there's there's been some bright spots, but that's basically any machine that has low, really really low hours on it, at least from our point of view. So. Hours are definitely king on these combines that are selling at the moment. And then, you know, then after that, they're shopping by year and options and how they're set up.
0: Right now, when I watch the options and I'm, and I'm looking at that machine, it's got 500 or less separator hours on it. Um, the values are strong. I mean, there's some strong values out yeah. there on those, on those machines. Really good. Really, really good. And then you hit
1: a wall, of course, you know, in that 500 to 1,000 separator hour range, that's, those are—I'd call those good. Um, really can't complain too much about those combines. But then you get in that thousand to fifteen hundred separator hour range, and it's—it's it's dicey. It's uh, really, really hard to appraise what those combines are going to bring.
0: Yeah, it's—it's really who shows up that day and who really wants that machine. Um, it's a—it's a tough one. It just the the fall off between, you know, where they're at. On the on the the short end of the hours compared to where they're at in the line. it's just it is such a a, a wide swing that yeah, it's just hard to guess where that's at. No, and you can't
1: you can't just put a dollar on the separator hours and then adjust it and say okay, here's my appraisal for this combine. That's that's not really how it works at the moment. Yeah, but it's uh it's it's tough to uh, to predict what these combines are going to do and you know, don't don't have a real good uh, idea of where we're going next year in 2019. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to, to see how the rest of 2018 shapes up and then where we go from
0: there. I think especially when you're looking at combines, 2018 and 2019 to me are going to be very um, – I think there's going to be more more machines sold in this last quarter going into 2019 than there were sold at the first three quarters of the year. And the reason for that is I really think guys have just – Ran the proverbial wheels off their machines now, and, and they, they've they've used up. They, they've kind of passed the line of diminishing returns. Um, is it worth them going back in and reconditioning that machine up, or is it better to go find something that's in a little better shape and and start over again? Uh, you you've seen the I same thing with the guys you're you're working with on the auction side. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I
1: think that's what we thought was going to happen here in 2018, and. Had some of these, you know, neat kind of middle-of-the-road combines that we thought were maybe going to go up in price backed off or stayed where they were. I think guys held off and maybe bought one of those and added a, added a second combine instead of trading in on a new one or, you know, went ahead and spent a little bit more money on theirs and kind of got through this year. But here, at some point, um, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I think guys are going to have to kind of bite the bullet and go ahead and make a pretty serious upgrade on their combine.
0: Yeah, I think it's just... I mean, we're, we've sold more equipment this year than we did last year. Um, and it's not because there's a lot of money in the marketplace. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, they're, they're all updating, <laughs> yeah. updating the stuff that they've they've fixed out, you know, fixed and kind of held together yep. over the last three or four years. Yeah, exactly. What would be your opinion of the overall number of combines on the marketplace? And what I'm getting at there is do you feel like there is still a, a heavy amount of, of supply? compared to demand, or do you feel like there is, that that's, <clears throat> that, that supply has um, dwindled enough to where that, what we're seeing now is not necessarily a, a lull in the overall buying habit, or I'm sorry, the lull's not from a supply and demand thing, where guys are yeah, just yeah. waiting to see what happens, it's more of a, let me see how much money I get, and then we're going to come buy a combine, I mean, what's your what's your yeah. take on that? Yeah, that's a that's a good question.
1: It's a tough question to answer. Kind of going back to the hours a little bit. I mean, if you look at the supply and demand based on hours, uh, you know, certainly the supply is lower than the demand. Um, if you're looking at, but I guess if I was going to say the combine market as a whole. There's probably still a little bit. In this course talking about used combines and what we're seeing on the on the auction side of things. I think that the supply is still a little bit greater than
0: the demand. Yeah, and I think that's why we haven't haven't seen an uptick in combine prices in 2018. And I would I would agree with that. And another part that I'm, I'm starting to get concerned about the combine marketplace and, and tractors and everybody the same way. But the price of uh, used ones compared to new ones, you know. These, uh, these, yeah. We're looking at $350,000, $380,000 used combines. Um, I've even seen some $400,000 ones priced out there. Um, you're starting to get up there where the dollar value is high enough that the percentages are, are still, you know, for 10% more, I can go buy a new one type of mentality or whatever yep. whatever the mindset is, but you're looking at 50 or 60,000 bucks. On some of these, after you get the uh, the heads and everything figured into the deal, so there's yep, that's got to be weighing on some guys' mind when they're when they come to these auctions about driving that price the auction value anyway, driving that price of if oh, I can buy a two year old one for this and nuts and, and just a few dollars more, mentality wise, I can go get into a new one. Have you had any conversations with folks like that about that? Yes,
1: um, we. What what I kept hearing over and over again this summer as we were selling combines was just that you know guys saying this I don't know what to do here should I spend one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars to trade combines or should I spend one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars to pick up a used six seventy right and you know which which one am I going to be better off with this fall and which one am I going to be better off with a year from now or two years from now which option that I make. And guys are were really struggling with, you know, trying to decide what the best option was. And uh, we saw people go both ways. Some people showed up and bought combines at auction. Some people were there at the auction a week later and said, "I went ahead and ordered a new combine." So uh, it's it's a, just a kind of an odd scenario to, to be in. Guys have never really been looking at combine numbers, you know, with that drastic of a difference. Uh, you know between
0: trading and maybe going out and buying a second machine yeah I know what you mean it is it's a, it's a very it's such a, a balancing act when you start looking at, at how it affects cash flow and that and that's what they're all yep. every one of them are weighing that more now than they've ever had probably even during the downturn um, exactly because I just think a lot of these guys when it, when you start looking at what they've done over the past five years, how leasing's come into play and, and how all that's played into that. There's they they've scraped together what they could scrape together for as long as they can. And now we're I just think eighteen was one of those years we'll look back on as, as probably one of the tougher years during the downturn. Agreed. Agreed.
1: Just because we're enough years into this downturn that it feels like it's gonna have to turn around at some point. This year started out good. We got the crop in good. Weather was good in most parts of the world and then you know june hit and the prices uh you know kind of tanked there and uh really took the wind out of some guys sails and uh kind of just, yeah be, you, you kind of summed it up it's gonna looking back I, I think even when we get this crop out in the bin thank goodness we've got a good crop in most parts of the world but this has been a tough year uh mentally on, on guys as much as
0: anything right yeah absolutely absolutely all right, so the last segment, and this is the one I have the most concern about, and it's the four-wheel drive marketplace. And, and the reason I say yeah. that is it's just dead. To be honest, I don't know how else to put yeah. it. I mean, it's for us anyway. Um, and, and where we're at, it's, it's just one of the tougher segments for us to work in and play in right now. Um, there's not a lot of folks showing up to, to look at that um, that used four-wheel drive um, as many as there have been in the past. Um, Not to say we're not selling some stuff, but to me, anymore, that the PTO has become a bigger part of the four-wheel drive marketplace than it's been in ever probably in its existence. And are you seeing something similar to that where the four-wheel drive market might be soft in the auction, but certain specs are are driving that machine up? Yep. Yep,
1: definitely. I think overall the four-wheel drive market's been pretty tough. Um, and I'm sure there's sure there's a lot of factors out there, but, uh, you know, just, just, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of competition in that market, you know, between the two tracks versus four tracks versus wheeled machines versus your low sidewall tires. There's it kind of feels like it's a little bit flooded at the, at the, at the moment. And, uh, guys have a lot of different avenues they can take, but yeah, the, the traditional four wheel drive tractors without a PTO have been. Hit pretty hard this year. Um, it, I don't. It'd be hard to put a percentage on there, but it's noticeable drop in the in the wheeled four wheel drive market.
0: Yeah, and that that's I think what you said there is is a big driving factor in that marketplace. Is that if you're if you have a like John Deere for example, you can get the same tractor in three different horsepower ranges, you know, or three different setups, yep. whether it's a wheeled machine or two track or a, or the the RX the four track system. <clears throat> And that does play an effect on supply. You know what I mean. I really thought when the when the uh, RX came out that the two-track system was going to suffer more than you know because it was going to be kind of stuck in the middle. And if it did anything, I think the two-track system actually had bolstered that that market more than we'd ever seen. Um, than ever than what I expected. You know, um, mm-hmm. I really I really thought there was going to be a fall off there, but. I didn't see that fall off. I actually saw it actually pick up a little bit. The two track system, you guys, when you're out selling those, are you seeing a, uh, you seeing an uptick in that market. Do you see more people showing up to buy the track, uh, machines or do you feel like it's just kind of been the same? Yeah, I'd
1: I'd agree with you. I expected them to go down some and I have not really seen that. I don't know if we've seen an uptick, but I'd say they're holding steady and, uh, you, you talk about options there. A PTO on a two-track machine is a huge option yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, seeing incentive on resale. Uh, that's made a big difference, big, big difference, uh, probably even more than what it costs to, to put it on at the time the tractor was new uh, when, you're, when you're selling them on the auction market. And then on the wheeled machines, PTO doesn't seem to make as much of a difference. It certainly doesn't hurt anything, but, uh, you know, the, The bigger, the better on the tires, and you know, like eight hundred metric duels, certainly seem to help on the wheeled machines, and you know, a good amount of weight certainly doesn't hurt anything there either.
0: It is, it is amazing how how much the PTO on those four wheel drives has have have really come into play, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that size of grain carts have gotten so big now that yeah, you're you're holding sixty thousand pounds back there on some of those, you know, so you have. You've you got a large amount of of uh, weight back there, and just stability and so on, everything else that comes into that. But that uh, that grain cart is a uh, has has really been a game changer in how four wheel drives are set up, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And then when you
1: throw in a, a wet year like what we're having so far, getting the crop out, I think that's just going to continue
0: here going forward. So looking through twenty eighteen. I, you know 2013 was probably the high water mark it, it, when I look back at at uh, how the, how the economy was where the teetering point was. So my opinion we've we've almost weathered five years of this downturn. What's your opinion of the overall market right now? and do you feel like we've hit the bottom and we're kind of t- bouncing across it? Do you feel like we're coming out? I think the overall market right now uh, from
1: a from an auction industry point of view is actually pretty decent uh, obviously we've got a little bit different outlook than what a, a dealer of new equipment's going to have. So sometimes during a, during a downturn, the auction market is a, is the place that actually gets quite a bit more attention. So guys are looking for deals and trying to be more frugal with the money than they ever have been. So uh, we actually have seen a pretty big increase of interest and participation over the last couple of years. So, um, it's not saying that the market's good, but you know, from an auctioneer standpoint, uh, you know, we've actually been pretty steady, and uh, I think prices have have really held in there. Um, the kind of the ag economy in general, obviously, these you know tariffs and and uh, some trade situations that are going on right now are going to have a huge impact going forward. And uh, unfortunately, when you talk to a lot of people that have been in the business for a long, long time, they say that these trade wars usually have a pretty long tail and and takes a while to get worked out. So. Uh, you know, that's a little bit concerning on one hand, but, um, I think that, uh, we're five years into this downturn. I think that I I think we're going to, I think there's better years ahead here in the next couple of years than what we've had the, the last couple of years.
0: Looking out across this last quarter of the year, um, looking at your guys' website, you look like you're pretty busy. So how many, uh, how many auctions you guys have lined up going through, uh, through the end of December? Yeah, we've, we've got a busy, busy schedule coming up. We've got
1: uh, right around 80 auctions uh, here between now and, and the end of the year, which is a lot. Um, but at the same time, our our business has grown a lot over the last five years. So I think if you kind of made a trend line out of, you know, where, where we have been headed over the last couple of years, I think that the number of auctions that we have seems a little bit alarming at first glance, but. I think it's in line with, uh, you know, where, where we've kind of been headed. So, um, we're looking forward to a, to a good fall and a good wrap up to 2018. I think having a good crop out there in most parts of the world, um, even though prices are down, makes a huge difference. Uh, even if it's, you know, mentally as much as anything, when you get a big crop in the bin, that's, that's a good feeling. And, uh, then you're ready to go when, when, a opportunity to market that crop comes along so um i think overall i think it'll be a i think it'll be a pretty good fall uh, i think november and december of this year
0: should should be as good as any we've had the last two or three years i'm, I'm really bullish for the end of the year i really am i, I think that we're going to have a uh a strong enough um push here towards the end that it's going to be uh it's going to be good i'm excited about it and i, th- I think we have some some good opportunities ahead of us. Um, and I'm not hundred percent for sure how 19 is going to start, but I do feel like going yeah. up through the end of the year, we're going to be, we'll be, we'll be pretty good shape. Yeah. I think it's
1: quiet and as still as things got, you know, there in, in June and then that carried over into July and August, uh, you know, guys, it was pretty quiet this summer. Uh, guys, you know, making purchases and, and, and deciding what to buy. And I think once we get this crop in the bin, get some good news on trade and prices. I I think that things are setting up to be a pretty good fall if I had to if I had to speculate or bet on it right now. So let's uh
0: let's put get your crystal ball out here and let's take a look at the future. Um where do you think the auction market's gonna be at in five years and not values or anything like that, but how do you think how do you think the ever expanding role of auctions are going to continue to play in the, uh, in the ag industry over the next five years?
1: Yeah. So there's some, some trends that we're seeing, obviously auctions are going online just like every business. Uh, There's there's no doubt about it, that these online only auctions have calling them a norm. You know, that's, that's been the case for a couple of years now. So that's certainly a big trend that we're seeing. Um, But I think, Uh, you know, there's not as many farmers out there. There's not as many retirement auctions as there used to be, but uh, as as the number of farm retirement auctions goes down, uh, the dealers are still certainly using auctions, maybe more so now than they ever have to to move and clean up inventory. So uh, I think auctions will continue to to play an important part of the farm equipment
0: business for a long ways into the future. Yeah. I think they're going to be. Uh, I really think the auction marketplace. I think I think the ag equipment industry is is really headed to a uh, very much like a like a like a construction market, I guess if 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 I can if I can use that term. Um, yeah. Where where the auction is going to play a bigger part of the everyday role of what you see happening out there uh, on the on the uh, overall values of machinery. I think it's going to be a and it's going to take, you know, obviously it'll take more than just um, a few years for that to happen. It's going to be, you know, ten or ten years down the road, and we're going to start seeing that. But I think as you look across the landscape now, more and more of of everything that you see, there, it's starting to head that direction slowly but surely every day. So. Yep. there's there's new price and then
1: there's auction price and mm-hmm. the auction items are kind of like a currency. You know, they kind of go up and down, but everybody kind of knows what a in the future, I know what you're saying in, in terms of like the construction side of things. You, know, you can you can look up a D6 dozer and have a pretty good idea uh, just based on the year and the hours uh, what it's worth. And I, I know exactly what you're saying. I think that's kind of starting to be a trend
0: yeah.
1: on the farm equipment side of things as well. I think in a few years you'll be able to to look up a three thirty five R's and
0: and just know what
1: ones worth on the auction market.
0: Well, Luke, I think. Looking over my list here, I've covered everything that I want to cover with you here. So, is there anything else you want to throw out there before we shut it down?
1: No, I think that's that's a pretty good wrap. That's uh, covered a lot of topics today, but uh, it's always good to sit down and, and talk with other
0: people about what they're seeing in the in the farm equipment industry as well. Yeah, no, I I, I love doing that. So, Luke, if guys want to get a hold of uh, and Auctions, how would they do that? Yeah, the easiest way would be to go to our website. Sullivan auctioneers.com and uh, you can get contact information for any of us on there. Right on. Well, Luke, I appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, I'll uh, give you guys a shot here. Maybe uh, first of the year and we can see how the end of the year ended up for everybody.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks for having us on today and thanks for everything you're doing for equipment dealers everywhere.
0: Well, I appreciate that Luke. So uh, till next time, have a good one. We'll talk to you then. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Luke for being a guest in this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Here you can find Morning Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger and Tax Moves with Glenn Burnbaum. Please visit MovingIronLOC.com. Here you can find information for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, past and current episodes of Moving Iron Podcast and articles from Moving Iron Blog. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at your favorite podcasting platform. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.
1: Moving
0: iron in the 21st century Hardworking